Hi, welcome to One Degree Shifts. I'm your host, Pascal Tremblay, and I'm the co-founder of Nectar, where psychedelic support integration ecosystem. And today I'm joined by the lovely and friendly Atira Tan, who's a somatic trauma specialist. She's an educator, she's an author, an activist, a philanthropist, uh, a lot of beautiful things that she's up to in the world. And I'm really happy to, to have you on the show today, Atira. Thanks for being here. Yeah, you're so welcome, Pascal. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'd like to also welcome the audience to our conversation today. Really looking forward to this discussion. And today we're going to talk about something that we're really passionate about, which is integration. And you're also very passionate about it. And today we're going to speak specifically about your somatic plant medicine integration model, uh, something that you've been developing over the years. You now train people for it. And you're obviously holding space for people to go through their own integration can you tell us a little bit more about that model and how did you arrive to this specific approach to integration? And, and also, what is integration for those out there who don't really know about this? Maybe it's a new thing for a lot of people. Um, so I'd be curious uh, what your definition of it is. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I am very, very passionate about integration because I've worked as the head of integration for eye healing retreats for about six or seven years. And I often feel that the path of integration is very misunderstood because when people come to me, you know, with the integration stories, it spans um, many kind of different categories. But sometimes when I speak to uh, people, they often feel that integration is, say, practices or resourcing activities that we make time for after a plant medicine ceremony. So... Practices such as, you know, breath work or meditation or say movement practices can be very helpful for the integration process. But in my opinion, the phase of integration is so much more than practices. And I think that what I love to advocate for is the profound healing experiences that people have with plant medicines. They don't actually finish at the end of the ceremony at the end of that altered state of consciousness experience. This is where, you know, I believe that the quote unquote kind of real work begins, you know, after the ceremony. So Pascal, I'm not sure if you've uh, read of this, um, read this book by Jack Cornfield, which used to be the kind of my Bible in my twenties. It's, he wrote this book that was called Path of Heart, which I absolutely love. And then he wrote another book that said, that was called After the Ecstasy Comes the Laundry. <laughs> so I love that kind of parallel that he was kind of talking about, you know, mainly his experience of being a Buddhist monk, but there are parallels with the plant medicine experience, you know, after something very insightful, you know, something transcendental, you still have to kind of put in the real work. Yeah. The effort that comes after to actually mind the gap between the insights that we received from the plant medicine into our embodied kind of living reality. So in my kind of perception of integration of what I call, you know, embodied integration, a lot of, I think, wayfarers on the path are seeking transcendence. But I think that what I understand of integration and the meaning of life is it's really about wholeness. And transcendence has a, a piece to play within our journey into wholeness and the journey of wholeness invites us to bring together the transpersonal 
and also our bodies and our bodies with them and our experiences that we've lived here, right? In this ego consciousness and its wisdom into one whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how we integrate the insights that we've learned from the plant medicine, you know, the application of the tools, the perspective that we receive. This is ultimately the integration process, which is a sacred process of transformation. So moving from insights, ideas, experiences, but into embodied living reality. So maybe I can just share a little bit, some examples of what that might look like for the audience out there. Um, integration could include, you know, changing patterns of our nervous system. So especially for trauma survivors that come to plant medicine experiences, um, they might have some patterns that have been laid down in their nervous system, like fight, flight, freeze, spawning, folding. So in their daily lives, it might look like those patterns kind of change. So something that might be, you know, scary before, you know, we might experience kind of less fear, we might feel safer in our bodies. It could look like a change in affect or a change in, you know, emotions, um, something that was previously, you know, overwhelming uh, and we might have been flooded by emotions could kind of change our thought patterns, our behaviors and our actions and how we respond to different situations in our lives. Um, you know, also might change as well. Um, So there are so many dimensions in integration. And when I look at integration, one of the first questions that I do ask clients is this question of, you know, what was your intention when you came in for the ceremony? And then through that intention, um, yeah, so we kind of ascertain or identify the dimension of integration or the category of integration that the person might be in. And the model that you kind of named the somatic plant medicine integration model, really our role of, as practitioners in that model is to offer layers of support to our clients so that they can be the embodiment of the plant medicine insights, their intentions, and their learnings. And when we work with the somatic intelligence with our bodies, it's really, I believe, the missing piece of integration because in my perception, you know, plant medicines really don't stop working for the person once the retreat is over or once the ceremony is over. And it is my belief that the intelligence of the plants also work with our own bodies and our somatic, our nervous system intelligence. So... When I talk about intelligence, I'm talking about intelligence that is breathing us, right? Without our egos or our minds having to necessarily control, you know, heart rate breathing, our kidneys kind of working, our cells regenerating itself. Yeah. So that same intelligence, which is governing, you know, who we are, works with, and it's, you know, works with the, the intelligence of the plants as well. And when we can really hold that space that so that both those intelligences can work together in tandem and in support of each other, really what I've seen with my clients is that the change can be really quite profound and powerful, you know, deeper than, you know, say perhaps what I've seen integration models that are mostly mind-based or top therapy-based when we can bring the language of the nervous system in in the 
holding space in integration, um, it can be really deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big advocate of this work. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about your perspective. And, and yeah, you're right. So much of this psychedelic experience can bring us to the, the higher realms of things, but ultimately like coming back to our body and our nervous system is really ground zero for healing. I also believe the same thing around um, the importance of really grounding in the body. And I love that you talked about this as a sacred process. Um, and I love that you share that because so much of of, of the, the the people that are entering these experiences, especially these days as the mainstream is kind of getting called to try these things, uh, they see the experience as this singular unit of, of experience that is transcending and uh, and bringing people into different dimensions. But ultimately, uh, it is the integration, I think, that really lands the, the you know, the gifts and the insights into everyday uh, tangible change. Um, and yet, it's still new that people talk about this as the, you know, the, the ceremony after the ceremony or the lifelong process. It's still something that a lot of people resist. Um, and I'm curious, um, what are the pitfalls of not doing integration properly? Like you've seen and help people through a lot of experiences. Like what have you seen in terms of the dangers of not doing integration, but also kind of speeding up through it as if it's just like, okay, I'll do a breathwork session and I've I've integrated this. I'm still integrating my first ceremony from eight years ago. Um, And that's the (laughs) case for a lot of people because they are full of content and full of things that you catch yourself one day being like, oh, actually I haven't been integrating this. And uh, can you tell us more about that sort of, cultural shift around like the the experience versus this lifelong journey and what do you see in the future for that? Well, I can definitely resonate with your own personal experience. I remember, you know, my first kind of ceremonial, psychedelic ceremonial experience. And I must say that I am so integrating, um, you know, that experience as well. And and what I kind of, you know, metaphor that sometimes I share with uh, both is that, you know, Sometimes the plant medicine experience could take us to, let's say, a hundredth floor of a skyscraper where you see, you know, a different perception of life. You might see a different perception of ourselves, of others, of our relationship. And that, you know, we have this bird's eye view where we open up in a whole different way where our, you know, protective kind of strategies and adaptations kind of dissolve. But after the altered state of consciousness experience, we still come down to the ground floor of life, right? So even though we've had this experience of reaching the 100th floor, I think the journey of integration kind of beckons us into an adventure of up-leveling ourselves, making our way from the ground floor to the 100th floor. But in a way where the perception of a hundredth floor is not just a memory, it's actually what is happening in real time. And that climb from the ground floor to the hundredth floor, that takes work, it takes effort, it takes commitment and time. And through that process, we actually, I believe, um, we start to cultivate the qualities yeah, that we you know, perhaps had a sneak peek in our plant experience. And it also you know, helps us to develop qualities like curiosity, passion, care, so that, that we don't leave behind parts of ourselves that are maybe even stuck in the basement, for instance, or you know, parts of ourselves on the ground floor 
so that when we climb up to the hundredth floor, we are doing it in unison and as a whole with all the other parts of ourselves. So that's kind of a metaphor that I share with people. And I think that one of the biggest kind of pitfalls, um, it really depends because there are many different categories of integration, depending on, you know, the intention that people come with and also the experience that they have and experience. Now, I, in my courses, I teach the three kind of cate categories of trauma that, uh, of integration, sorry. And within, I think one of the categories of integration is what I would call shadow work, which is when, you know, sometimes in plantments and ceremonies, um, there are trauma imprints that come up into our consciousness. And, you know, I think that psychedelics can be a really potent activator of the conscience. So bringing, you know, perhaps trauma imprints that we might have disassociated or split off from, you know, forgotten memories. Um, Plot Manson can also help with the dismantling of old psychological defenses. And with that kind of dissolving of these psychological defenses, it can be very common that unpleasant emotions such as, you know, the fear or the grief or the anger, you know, a sadness that we were protecting ourselves from start to come into the forefront. And I think that what might be a pitfall that I see that, you know, I feel actually really sad about, and that's why I kind of created uh, these programs that I offer, like the Trauma-Informed Plant Medicine Facilitation Program and also the Somatic Plant Medicine Integration Program, is because I see a lot of um, a lot of suffering that can happen without um, a proper kind of understanding of what integration can be. Um, number two is the lack of support, or layers of support of allies on the path. Um, and you know, the worst case scenario really is you know people going to psychiatric hospital due to a brief psychotic episode or, you know, emotions or memories kind of flooding in if a person is a survivor of, let's say, you know, complex PTSD, or if they are going through complex and developmental trauma where they don't actually have the resilience to integrate, you know, these um, trauma imprints that have arisen to their consciousness. And these parts of ourselves, these imprints, they really want to heal they come into our, you know, our consciousness again because they really want to be seen and heard and held, but they need kind of the repair, right? They need repair that they didn't receive during the traumatic event. So I think the biggest, I think, pitfall uh, around the misunderstanding of integration is that a lot of these clients, because they're, you know, um, not really having the layers of support to kind of work through these trauma imprints, they get more and more activated in their lives. Um, a lot of clients that I see in integration support, um, you know, I've seen clients who are in a grief psychotic episode, you know, but mostly high levels of anxiety, um, flashbacks that come back, you know, a lot of shame that they are um, moving with, a lot of confusion, a lot of shock the trauma imprints that they have remembered. And when that is not held with care, either because, you know, the facilitator hasn't perhaps, you know, maintained a certain kind of ethical duty 
a duty of care, a standard protocol for working with trauma. Um, when these things are really, you know, not held with compassion, then the person feels alone. And instead of the trauma imprint being healed, it actually kind of exacerbates and reinforces the, that trauma imprint more and more. So people will start to get what we would call somatic experiencing global high intensity activation. And sometimes that can last for years, you know, depending on the plant medicines that we're working with. Um, and I think that it leads to unnecessary, um, a lot of unnecessary suffering. Um, another pitfall that I see is that instead of taking time off from psychedelics and plant medicine to heal that core wound that has arisen in the plant medicine ceremony, what people are wanting, or maybe a misconception, is that the more plant medicine that they take, the more psychedelic experiences that they have, then they will heal that trauma. But it might be like that for some people, but in certain cases, especially in more complex kind of trauma imprints, that is definitely not the case. And what I've also seen is that people, some folks can be in that loop of going to the next plant medicine ceremony and then the nervous system gets blown out. I mean, they, they do experience some kind of relief, you know, in the short term, but the uh, kind of patterns in the nervous system don't change. So that's kind of good information with some clients that I see, um, just giving you a case study or an example, um, you know, thinking about this client that I saw that, you know, for uh, she was a you know, survivor of child sexual abuse. And she had a lot of implicit memories that would come up for her in ceremony. And she felt that by doing more plant medicine ceremonies, she would, you know, release or get rid of the pain that she was experiencing. So she was actually experiencing a lot of symptoms of chronic pain at certain parts of her body, certain kind of sensations that were very scary for her. And after two and a half years, she came to me and she was like, you know, I'm now suffering from more chronic pain than I did before I started the ceremonies. And I'm just kind of in a loop that I can't get out of. So with this particular client, we made kind of a commitment to pause uh, the plant medicine work, just to interrupt it and to work, you know, with me just in healing and resolving the child sexual abuse experiences. And a lot of it was related to the plant medicine experiences. And within six sessions, the chronic pain went away. Um, the implicit kind of memories of fear, that felt sense of you know, danger, or what we would call neuroception kind of went away for her. And um, yeah, she had resolved that particular imprint in her body through taking a break from plant medicine work and focusing on her integration healing. So yeah, I hope that this case study can help you know, the audience to understand the importance of integration and some kind of pitfalls on the way, and also the importance of layers of support, um, and not just any kind of layer of support. I think that in integration, there are many different flavors and textures in integration, and to find the right layer of support is so important for people to, yeah, to resolve the trauma, you know, to perhaps um, up-level the that newly upgraded self um, to take their gifts out into the world. 
all of that um, when we are supported, you know, to the, the right kind of support, that journey is so much more easeful. So my hope is that, you know, if the audience is kind of listening out there and somebody is really struggling from a plant medicine ceremony, maybe a trauma imprint that they've experienced, um, I would just love people to know that, you know, they can reach out for support and that they're not alone and that layers of support can really help to ease, you know, those layers of anxiety or panic attacks or a really big one or flashbacks, memories from the past, um, that hope is really out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so essential as well. And thank you so much for sharing the pitfalls of, of not, you know, addressing, you know, integration as a sacred process. And, um, just for additional context, uh, there was a large research that was released earlier this year around, um, <clears throat> ayahuasca ceremonies and and they found that 53% of people after the ceremony had some you know moderate to severe emotional or psychospiritual uh, challenges after the ceremony which is quite a large number 53% and um, that doesn't even account for the loss of potential insights and and transformation that happens from not doing integration um and yeah, touching on the layers of support, I, I find that integration is so, like you said, there's so many different facets to it. Everyone is different. Everyone works differently. There's so many different modalities and ways to approach integration. And and yet, like, how do people know that they're doing integration well? Like, what does that look like to say, like, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm like, you know, integrating my experience. Like, what are signs or things that people should look for to know that they're on the right path? Because it, it is a, a multi-dimensional process and it does require uh, professional support or at least a community or a group or a teacher or a mentor to help navigate this because by yourself, it's really hard to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, to answer that question, you know, what I see as good information is the, you know, it depends on the intention and depends on the category of integration that people come with. But what I uh, ascertain is, you know, marking or measuring change in behaviors, in actions, in patterns of the nervous system, um, in affect. You know, so for example, if a person has an intention to heal a certain trauma imprint in a plant medicine ceremony, if the person is still struggling, I think, with you know, nervous system patterns or, you know, being flooded with emotion or, you know, noticing that behaviors or actions haven't changed, then I would say that the person would need layers of integration support. So if you are still kind of struggling with the issue that you came in with in the plant medicine experience, you know, after the ceremony, um, Usually what I find is that for about four to six weeks after a ceremonial experience, this is for about, I would say, 65% of people that I see in integration, is that they are kind of on a high, right? But however, that high kind of falls away and it just kind of dissolves a little bit after four to six weeks. And when they come back into their normal routine or they come back into maybe the relationships in their lives, they realize that, oh, you know, I, that, that was missed, you know, that piece was missed, or I'm still, you know, continuing with this certain kind of path. So if I think a person notices that within themselves, 
then that is a cue, a, a self cue to kind of say, okay, you know, this is really good information. We're not going to be hard on ourselves. We're going to just take this as good information. We're going to be very neutral and equanimous, very kind and compassionate to ourselves. And this might be the time to reach out for support. Yeah. Because with the right layer of support, you know, um, that change can actually happen a lot more gracefully and a lot more easily. So to answer your question, I think the information, the good information that we can kind of retrieve from our own nervous system, from our own patterns and our own behaviors, you know, noticing ourselves and how we are in the world. If we are not, you know, if we don't see the change that we really kind of would hope for or wish for, um, that is kind of not matching the insight that we received in the plant medicine, I would say that that's a good, um, good signal that we might need some support to deepen that integration process. Yep. So that's body living reality. Right. Yeah. And that, that four to six weeks period after a ceremony is what we call in the, in the, on our professional circles, the life smacking you in the face phase where you kind of leave the beautiful <laughs> retreat in the jungle and you got rainbows and unicorns and then like you got to pay bills and your kids are screaming and it's like, it, it really is where the rubber meets the road. Right. And, um, so right. many times I've come back from ceremony and two days after because I didn't take the proper time and the space to really like land back into daily life. And those things can re-trigger you pretty quickly and then really bring you back into a, uh, a cycle of, of, of suffering really. Um, and so, yeah, it's very important, I think, after the journey to really take time and space to gently, and you said the word easeful, which I love, and gracefully kind of land back into daily life because those things are going to are pretty charged for a lot of people. And it brings us back into the head as well, which is not really good for integration a lot of times. Um, so, yeah, being gentle and easeful. And uh, this leads me to my next question, which is related to making integration uh, a more a joyful and easeful experience. Like we mentioned a sacred process earlier and grace and easefulness. Uh, and then we talked about trauma and prints and getting triggered and anxiety and depression and those type of things. Uh, how do you view integration also as a joyful creative process and how can people make it engaging or, or, or enjoyable for themselves? Like it's probably different for everyone, but how do you make it more enjoyable for yourself? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question, I think. Such a great question. Well, in the somatic plant medicine model that I teach, um, we believe that plant medicine experiences can actually be hugely resourcing for folks. Right? I mean, there are certain categories what might appear in that altered state of consciousness state, and some of them might be trauma imprint. But I think for, you know, um, when we get really familiar with the medicine, those experiences start to change and we start to connect with different parts of ourselves, might start to connect with parts of ourselves that are so loving, you know, or so wise or our higher selves or, um, you know, an experience of love that we've perhaps never experienced in an ordinary state of consciousness, you know or um, an understanding of how, you know, life works beyond, you know, the three-dimensional reality that we live in. And all of those experiences are hugely, hugely resourcing. And in my opinion, you know, with the somatic plot muscle model, these experiences can, are accessible to us at any time through the intelligence of the body. 
And maybe this might be, you know, a really great segue to start talking about what, you know, I'm so passionate about the somatic approach, just as, you know, I shared the plant medicine works with the same intelligence of our bodies, which I believe is the intelligence of life, right? Mm -hmm. Intelligence of life flows through, you know, every single cell, like every sentient kind of being. And this same intelligence also governs the sacred plants that we work with in conjunction when we actually commune with them. And this works as well with our nervous system. And I believe that, you know, plant medicine works with the nervous system as well, which is why there are so many sensations when we do take plant medicine, such as nausea or heat or chills or shaking or burping. And, you know, this mm -hmm. is the, the, the intelligence kind of merging together, right? So um, what can be very helpful for folks out there who have resourcing experiences and through the somatic plant medicine integration model is that we can actually come back to that felt sense experience of that resource. And we can really amplify the resource and really expand it in our nervous system. Yeah. So it's not mm -hmm. just kind of like a memory or a thought that kind of feeds into the background. But through the somatic clubments and integration model, we can start to anchor those resources as inner resources. Yeah. And, you know, there are many different things that can come out, you know, depending on the client. But um, one thing that, uh, you know, I've noticed with clients is that when we anchor that resource um, in the nervous system, we start to have a dialogue perhaps with certain parts of ourselves, like maybe, you know, the higher self. Yep. And we start to build a solid uh, relationship. Yep. With these other parts of ourselves that mm -hmm. perhaps we were out of touch with. And rewiring and stories as well, system. right? Rewiring re stories, rewiring relationships, uh, rewiring the nervous system, really. It's, it's quite fascinating, actually, what can happen in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. So for folks out there that do have resourcing experiences, you know, I really, yeah, recommend, um, you know, working with a practitioner when there is a space that's being held, I think, with someone else, um, dropping in out of the mind and into the body to reconnect to that felt sense of that resource and to amplify it and to expand it, you know, can really work wonders in our integration process. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Sasha Cuff, who's a somatic therapist, he likes to say that we're not stuck in our psychology, we're stuck in our biology. And I, I, I love how that rings so true of what you're sharing as well is around the intelligence of the body. And um, how do you work with that nervous system connection and, and integration? Like, how do you approach that, that, that connection really between the journey and then the body after they leave the journey? How do you work with that for integration? It's, it's quite interesting, you know, um, it's quite interesting to kind of share. I think that when we are working with perhaps a skilled practitioner that has a deep relationship with the medicine, there is kind of a holding therapeutic presence space that is between the client and the practitioner. Mm -hmm. And within that holding space, let's call it, you know, what I like to imagine it is kind of like a womb space, but, you know, other practitioners can imagine it to be a different space. 
with that kind of space and protection, um, and if the uh, integration practitioner is anchored within the felt sense of their body and connected with tracking the sensations in their own body, we can start to open up a field um, with the client where they can enter that plant medicine experience, you know, whether it's through their imagination. We are working the somatic model is very much through the felt sense. So it's reconnecting um, the client to a certain kind of insight or a certain resource that they attained in the plant medicine experience. And the, the antidote really is around getting people to slow down. Yeah, because we live in a culture which is very much in the mind space. But there is a certain, you know, that's why we call it, I think, intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. When we can create that, I think, the holding space for that intelligence to unfold organically. And when we have our minds kind of out of the way and when we're in that place of presence, this is really a place where the plant medicine, the intelligence of the plant medicine, our own somatic intelligence starts to work in unison with each other. And magic is in this place. So as a practitioner or even as a client, it's really around the holding and that, that, that acute therapeutic presence that creates this kind of organic unfolding where this intelligence can start to move into the forefront instead of a person's mind, which is kind of, you know, the manager or, you know, directing everything. But when the mind can soften and the plant medicine intelligence and our own somatic intelligence of our bodies can take more of a forefront in the driver's seat, then there is magic that starts to happen in the place. There are many things that start to happen. Resources start to amplify with this model through, you know, um, the technique. But then also other things like um, the resolution of trauma imprints, because sometimes when the medicine is over, it's not enough. You know, sometimes it's finished, you know, and the imprint doesn't reach resolution. It doesn't get what it was missing. Yeah. However, in integration, when we create that holding space, the imprints might come up and then through that space of holding and through the technique, it starts to reach resolution through our organic somatic intelligence yeah, of the nervous system and following what the nervous system wants to do and not overriding what's happening, which I think is the first thing that really interrupts um, this intelligence is us and our minds kind of overriding you know, telling ourselves narratives, stories, like this is not okay, it's not okay for me to be a certain way, and so on and so forth. But if there is somebody there that is really kind of holding and providing repair and the missing link, what was missing during the trauma imprint, or, you know, in the resourcing experience, suddenly this innate intelligence starts to work in our nervous system and it wants to heal. It wants to work through its resolution. Yeah. So I've seen this happen many times. Um, I couldn't actually share, you know, what it looks like for, because many, you know, different people, you know, things appear differently. But what I do know is that I have great faith and great trust in the somatic intelligence of who we are as sentient beings. 
And it's just about creating that holding space where it can kind of do its magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get out of the way. And and... Usually what interrupts the process. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way. Don't override. We need to slow down and really take pauses to reconnect with our body. Emotions, sensations are the language of the nervous system. So paying attention to what I call the inner atmosphere, the inner landscape, which is here. Yeah in our bodies is really important. And it was having this kind of mind and body dialogue. I think that, you know, with the somatic piece, many of us live our, live our lives mostly disembodied. And there are many people in our culture that live from the neck to the head upwards without really paying attention to, you know, what, what else is here, right? No, I'm but a recovering brain. I'm a recovering brain <laughs> only person. So I'm like, like I think moving down to the body, down to the body is, you know, connecting the heart and mind and also the gut as well is really important for us as a society. And um, shocking to the brain to hear that it can't solve everything. <laughs> what a relief it can be to just let go and surrender to the rest of our intelligence and attune and listen more to that. Those other parts. Yeah. You know, I, I look at it as, you know, again, coming back to this philosophy of kind of wholeness, right? Um, and I think that in our society, there is a huge kind of mistrust or misunderstanding of our relationship between our minds and our bodies. And I'm not saying that, you know, the mind has to surrender completely, but I do feel that the first step is to have a conversation. You know, like I'm having a conversation with you, you know, if I don't know you, Pascal, how do I, you know, then we don't have a relationship, right? If, if I don't ask, if I'm not curious about you, if I'm not empathic of your feelings and, you know, get to know you as a whole being, then we don't have a relationship, right? So I think the first step is to build that relationship. It's not for the mind to kind of give up control altogether, but those two parts really need to work together. And to negotiate sometimes, you know, sometimes the mind can say to the body, I don't trust you. And then the body can say, oh, tell me more, you know, tell me about what happened. And, you know, tell, tell us how we can work together uh, as equals instead of the mind kind of, you know, driving forward with the bus and usually the body is kind of left behind. Yeah. Or, you know, working with the heart, we, we want, you know, wholeness we are body mind heart soul and spirit so how can we walk together and not leave any part kind of behind so it's not like one part starts to trump the other but if we can work in unison with each other you know um i think that that's kind of uh, an an important perspective maybe to 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 investigate yeah and in this model, we talk about that, all of them being equal parts, but we have to have a relationship with each part so that the mind doesn't trump, you know, the body, the mind doesn't trump the heart, but we're listening and paying attention to all the parts mm-hmm. yeah, and making a decision from that place. Right. Beautiful. And for people out there that are entering or leaving a journey, maybe they're planning one or they, they've left one recently, like what are simple practices or ways that people can connect to their body and start to have that relationship with their body? Like, what, what do you personally do 
uh, to to do that, or, or ways that you've you've taught in your model to connect with your body and and start to engage that 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 sort of field, which we like you said so well, like we forget so much and societally speaking is kind of looked down upon uh, for a long time now. So how do people, can people connect back to their body at home? Yeah, I think that there are so many different ways to connect back to the body. And I think it depends on, you know, different people. Um, so I really do encourage folks out there to find a modality that works well for them. Um, in my own personal experience, I've been a long-term meditator. I started, you know, doing yoga when I was, 17 years old um and for me actually the best way to connect to my felt sense experience is through stillness so you know spend many many years you know decades even um uh doing pasna you know practices such as pasna body mind centering up continuum practices um but what really works for me is to be in a meditation posture and to bring my awareness kind of inside my body, you know, and to notice and to acknowledge the sensations that are here and to explore what my inner landscape is. You know, and when I talk about inner landscape, it is, you know, the inner landscape of sensations, emotions, energy, and thoughts. Yeah. So... But everybody has a different way of reconnecting to their bodies. So I encourage people to find their own way, what's really worked for me, uh, our movement kind of practices. As I mentioned, you know, practices such as yoga, ecstatic dance, or any kind of um, slower kind of form of um, movement where it brings your attention more to the inside instead of form and structure. But I would actually, the, sh the biggest tip that I would give people is to slow down, is to carve out time in your day, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes, and to find some kind of place or environment which is peaceful where you can start to really slow down and just take a pause. I think that that is the biggest antidote actually in you know what we're experiencing today is the biggest antidote of the mind um, driving forward. And as we kind of slow down and take a sacred pause, the invitation is to bring our focus and our awareness into that inner landscape of the body and to notice what is here, what is present, what are the sensations which are here, what are the emotions that are here, what do I notice in my feet, in my big toe, my ankles, mm -hmm. my bones, what am I noticing? Yeah. So I think the biggest tip for the audience is slowing down and taking a sacred pause and asking yourself, what am I noticing in this inner landscape? If I could draw an image of my inner landscape right here and now, what would that look like? And are there any parts that I'm noticing in my body that need tending to, that need compassion, that need care. And instead of pushing those parts away, can we acknowledge those parts instead from our mind into our bodies? Yeah. And this practice of reconnecting to ourselves in a compassionate, safe, and loving way with neutrality, equanimity, uh, is what I would really encourage folks 
yeah, as a, as a practice that will change your life. Yeah. Beautiful. And so I'll take a sacred pause after hosting this podcast and I invite everyone uh, to also try that and see as a little practice for us today. And before we go, I want to talk about your program for practitioners. Um, heard really good things about it. We've helped you support the program before because we like it. And so I'd love to for, for you to share more about it and why should people take it? What's unique about it? And what do you teach in the, in the, in the program? Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Pascal. I really appreciate your support with this program. And um, what I really love about this program is it's a 40-hour program. So after the program, um, you know, folks that do participate and meet the requirements of the certificate will enable them to be integration practitioners with the somatic plant and integration model. And what I really love about this model is, as I mentioned, it's a technique where, you know, practitioners can help people to reconnect that somatic intelligence of the body. We focus very much in the first level of the training of amplifying resources. So really amplifying the insights, you know, that people have experienced in the plant medicine experience, anchoring that in the nervous system, developing a healthy relationship with parts that we need in psychedelic experiences and resolving trauma imprints um, as well. So this is a model where practitioners can take to help their clients to go inside. Other things that I really, really love about this, this training as well is an in-depth kind of foundational understanding of somatic psychology. How does this body-mind connection work? What is happening in the neurobiology of integration, right brain, left brain, what's happening there? How do we walk as integration practitioners with this bottom up, top down approach, which includes the whole, the whole of the triune brain, the wholeness of who we are. So it's not just kind of based on the mind, but it's working with the triune brain and different levels of the brain, different parts of the brain, as well as the nervous system. Uh, what I really, really also love is really supporting people to become practitioners and cultivating their therapeutic presence, but also yeah, what I call kind of embodied communication. How can we, you know, create a field, a holding space of safety and protection, which is extremely kind of trauma-informed to allow a person's blueprint to blossom, you know, in a session. This is something that I think is very much missed in integration work as well. It's more the kind of unseen field. It's not so much like, oh, we have to do, you know, I'll teach in, in the, the training, all the techniques and the steps and so on and so forth. But what I also pay attention to and, and teach is the invisible kind of holding space, the presence, the human, um, the interpersonal kind of uh, field, which is in between the practitioner and the client. And what needs to kind of be there in order for that blueprint to really blossom, that integration process to open like a flower without forcing or without fixing, but for it to bloom and it's, it's time. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So those are the things that I personally really, really love teaching. We also teach about the categories of integration, trauma-informed principles that I believe is very important for the safety of, you know, clients in the session as well, um, helping people to understand trauma in the nervous system and linking that as well with integration. 
So there's so many things that I love about <laughs> training. It's really like one of my favorite trainings that I teach because I get to uh, really deeply share uh, my passion actually for the body and, you know, our body somatic wisdom and how we can as practitioners work with that intelligence as one, you know, um, I believe that it's a very life-changing training because in order to enter a trauma-informed space as an integration practitioner, it's a state of being, right? And the state of being can be taken, I think, when it gets taken into our relationship with ourselves or our relationship with our families. Um, it just changes the, the, the nuance of that, that attunement with people and attunement with ourselves, which can be, yeah, really transformative and powerful. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I see your passion and I'm so grateful for your passion because uh, you've dedicated so much time and effort to promoting integration and, and somatic work and trauma resolution. And so, yeah, thank you for all your work and for all your energy and passion that's going into these things. And how can people learn more and when is the next training happening? The next training is happening in fall, so the 29th of September. Um, registrations will close on the 15th of September for that program. And if you're interested, you can jump on my Instagram, Atiratan, or my website, atiratan.com. And we are currently offering a late bird offer of a hundred US dollars discount. Payment plans are available, so it's really accessible for people to join us. Um, yeah, and I really hope uh, to see some of the audience there. We'd love to welcome you on board. Yeah, right on. May we all bloom as beautifully as this orchid one day. If uh, you're watch or listening on audio, there's a beautiful orchid next to me and I'm just smitten by it. And uh, thank you so much, Atira. And thanks for, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Pascal. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye.